Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. friends and once again here we are with question and answer with Bishop Julian Porteous and I have with me Jovina Graham hello and myself Jeremy Ambrose now Bishop Julian the other day at university well not the other day but every day at university what you have is in the main quad where people go to get their food you have all the Marxist students there, all the socialist groups and they're handing out flyers and they're causing chaos and putting posters up where they shouldn't be but we stick to the rules, but that's okay. Anyway, I always have to tell them, look, they try and sign me up for things, they say, look, I'm Catholic. Um, and the Catholic Church has rejected all of this Marxism stuff. But I guess my question for you, Bishop, is, well, has it? Has it rejected all of this Marxism? Or does it mean that, you know, if we have rejected this, that the alternative for us is free market capitalism, and that that is what we promote and what we believe in? Because Marxism uh, <clears throat> is, has been quite directly connected with uh, with communism, and and uh, communism has largely been now um, debunked. Uh, it's, it's proven not to work. Um, however, we still find, as you said, at, at university campuses, there are diehard Marxists who who promote it, and they're promoting particularly a, a socialism. So they really want. Uh, a system which is uh, based on on Marx, Marxist ideas, even though when communism tried it, um, command economies and, and so forth, it clearly didn't work. It was it became something which was not not only suppressing people's freedom uh, and and and, and they're reducing their way of life, but uh, it was also completely inefficient. It just didn't work. Um, so. So with the fall of um, communism, the fall of the Berlin Wall and, and, the, and the, the breakdown of, of the, the Soviet Union and, and of Marxist uh, economies generally, um, a lot of people may have thought then that the church, because it opposed it because of, really because of its atheistic tendencies and its denial of freedom, denial of religion and so on. Many people then took the attitude, well, uh, the way to go is free market capitalism, a sort of entrepreneurial approach uh, to to business, and that um, the government should not be uh, overly involved in controlling economies, so that uh, there's a um, freedom for capitalism to to uh, to develop. Now, I, I suppose the question here is: is is that what the Catholic Church would then endorse to say it rejects Marxism, but uh, it, it does favour capitalism. I think there are many people who think that. Um, now, certainly, the church is not going to take a position on, on an economic theory. It's not. It's, it's really concerned with moral questions, and um, one we can see that there are many good things to do with freedom and the opportunity for people to develop their gifts and, and so forth. In in um, free market capitalism. However, at the same time, um, Catholic social teaching has developed a number of 
key principles that it sees as important uh, in the whole social fabric and in the economic systems that a society may develop. And so I think one of the questions at the present moment is to consider some of these principles and say, are societies uh, and, and economic systems that are largely capitalist, are they recognising these principles? Because I think these principles have great truth in them and actually are there for the benefit of society and the benefit of human beings. And so what are these, um, these things you're talking about, Bishop? Well, well one, one principle I think is, 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 um, is very interesting is the principle of subsidiarity. It's, it's a principle that we, we very much hold to in, in the church. Subsidiarity simply means that you should not do at a higher level in society what can be done at a lower level. So you don't. So that's really against some sort of command uh, economies where, where all the central decision making is carried out at the, at the highest level. Um, the Catholic Church very much holds to, to that principle. For instance, the, the um, while a bishop runs the, the diocese, um, the, the, the parish priest at the local level has a great deal of say and freedom in terms of his own parish. In other words, the bishop doesn't directly control every aspect of mm -hmm. the parish. And in fact, there are checks and balances in canon law to ensure that the bishop doesn't impose himself. He, he have, has, has oversight and he's there to, to guide uh, the parishes or the diocese in, in a general sort of way. But the principle of subsidiarity recognises that things uh, are best achieved at the local level where local initiative is able to be developed. You know, I think one of the things that is always a danger in government is that government can tend through bureaucracies to want to control everything. And there may be levels of efficiency and so forth that can be achieved through that. But I think it also often means that people become more just cogs in the machine, if you like, rather than having initiative and and be able to express their own creativity at, at the local level. So I think that principle is, is a very useful one to keep in mind in, in business, um, basically to allow greater degree of freedom and flexibility at the, at, the local, at the local level. So that principle of subsidiarity, I think, is a very interesting one. And governments and economies always have that tendency to want to control from the top. A principle that the church has is no, we should preserve as much as we can the freedom of operation at the at the local at the local level. And Bishop, what does this have any sort of effect on how distribution of wealth occurs within a society, or is this simply within um, church organisations themselves? It can, obviously, it can apply to uh, the question of wealth distribution, but there's another principle that, that uh, ah. comes into play in, in this particular case, and that is the, the principle of solidarity. So, and this is the other key principle that I think uh, is of great benefit in looking at economic systems and, and, and general social systems in a society. So, solidarity basically recognises the, the rights and needs of the individual and, and of groups in the society. So <clears throat> this, this is where um, the, the Catholic Church would say, 
you cannot just have unbridled capitalism where, whereby people are making you know huge amounts of money and can be very successful entrepreneurs and very successful in business and and you can't just do that without recognizing you also have a social responsibility you have to, to be have solidarity with those in the so a, a, a good if you like a good Catholic who understands Catholic social teaching can really work within the capitalist system but they don't just let the system itself necessarily completely determine the way they go so it's not just I'm going to make as much money as I possibly can I'm going to make my business as absolutely successful I'm going to crush all my opponents or whatever that we do that a good Catholic will also recognize this principle of uh, sub of um, solidarity whereby I'm thinking now what can my organization do for the good of the society for the good of the workers um, that I cannot just allow the profit incentive to be the only guide in the way that I go about my business and so I think I think for um, for Catholics the, the Catholic social teaching can be very valuable and can be very useful particularly to people who are very successful in business and, and not to allow if you like capitalism to just be the the sole determinant of how how we operate so is is it safe to say that perhaps an authentic catholic and an authentic socialist might have something in common yes provided the socialist doesn't want to to so control things that it denies initiative so the church never if you like endorses a particular uh, political, economic, or social system, um, but it will say there are certain principles that we would want to uh, present uh, clearly to, to people to judge how these systems actually operate and whether they are operating in the best possible way for the good of human beings, preservation of freedom, for the advancement of people in terms of education, health, uh, general standard of living. So the church is always going to say these goals, these human goals, the, and these goals that are, are actually expressed through some of the principles in Catholic social teaching need to be also borne in mind for whatever system a particular government or society uh, operates under. Bishop Julian, this, this is actually feels quite revolutionary to talking about this sort of, not revolutionary in the sort of um, political way, but I, I don't know if, do you think this this kind of these principles are well known to Catholics? I don't think they're well known. I don't think they're known enough. And I, and I think that uh, this is something that does need to be explored mm. further. To say that Catholic social teaching, uh, I think, is one of the great treasures that we have in the church, and really, it's not known very widely. And and certainly, a lot of people who are involved in say good Catholics would probably would probably say, look, as a Catholic, I want to ensure honesty, integrity, I want to do my, my job faithfully and, and honestly and, and responsibly and so on. So we can have those moral values, which are very important, of course. But I think it's these other elements connected with Catholic social teaching that really is not known. And I think because of that, Catholics 
in the business environment are not uh, not able to make a contribution as, as much as they possibly could if they knew these and understood them and were able to engage them in the business. Because I believe that this is um, also in the end good business. It's not going to be, the, the social principles are not going to be destructive. Of, I think they'll actually enhance the quality of a business, the quality of a society. Well, thank you, Bishop Julian. That has been very enlightening. And let's hope that many people involved in business will listen and learn about these things that have been speaking about. Thank you. Good. Thank you. Javina, we, we come to that phase of our program where, where we we have a little did you know, and I, and I thought I might uh, tonight just talk to you about um, some of the things that we use at Mass. I'll just do one uh, with you uh, at this time. I'd like to talk to you about the chalice. Now, okay. this, is, this is a little interesting at the present moment because, as you know, there's been a change in the translation of the, uh, of the text of the Mass. Mm -hmm. And you might recall before when the priest was praying the prayers of consecration, he would say cup. Yes. He'd say cup. And now the new translation says chalice. Now, the new translation is actually more accurate to the original Latin text, which we base, of course, the whole Mass upon. And the word that, the, uh, that we have there is the word calyx. That's the Latin word. So we have faithfully translated the word from, um, from the Latin. But a calyx or a chalice <clears throat> is a very particular type of cup. And people, a cup is, can be something which is just a, a, a vessel to contain a liquid uh, and it can just be uh, flat bottomed and, and have sides that can contain a liquid. But a chalice is actually something quite specific. A chalice is, has a cup element to it but below it there is a stem and then there is a base upon oh. which uh, it stands. So a chalice, if you like, is a very particular type of, of cup. And it has been, uh, it wasn't discovered or, or just used in the church, of course, it was often the, the, um, the particular form of cup, if you like, that was used in ceremonial occasions, in uh, banquets and so forth. So just like we might use <clears throat> a fairly ordinary cup for daily use, when we, if we have a, a special dinner or something, you want to bring out the best glassware, and so you might also use, say, a wine glass, which is similar to a chalice. It has a, a stem and a, and a base. And so the chalice was, was always, if you like, just something above the ordinary. And, and, um, and so that when, the, when we came to celebrate Mass, and we're going to have the vessel that's going to hold the precious blood, obviously we want to have the best possible thing that we, we can and so that's why we would have the chalice which is just a more ornate and more more appropriate um, vessel to, to hold the precious blood. So this was a word that was used um, in, in, the, in the Latin text and that's what we, how we now translate it correctly as, as chalice and it reminds us that the church has always had the attitude of, of a great sense of reverence for what actually happens at Mass, that the, the bread and the wine are changed in the body and blood of Christ 
and therefore we want to have a vessel to hold the precious blood, which is the best possible vessel. That's why they're often made of gold, and, and for a long time it was always understood that, that there would be a gold, at least a gold inlay in the, um, in the chalice, as again a sign of respect for, for the chalice, and, 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 and now there is greater freedom to, to use uh, other good materials, but it's always understood that they should be appropriate and, and, and very good materials. And, and as you know, we, we often will see the chalice as gold, and maybe it has, has precious stones in it, it's a beautifully crafted um, uh, item. All of that is just wanting, it's just a way for which we can say, this is, this is something which is involved in, in something very sacred and very special. It, it holds the blood of Christ. And so the chalice is, as we know from looking at Mass, quite a distinctive um, vessel and it just is a reflection of our sense of reverence with regard to the celebration of Mass. Bishop Julian, I can safely say I did not know that, so thank you very much. Thank you, Jovina. Thank you, Bishop Julian. And we hope you'll all join us next time on Question and Answer with the Bishop. You've been listening to Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteus. For more episodes, visit radio.org.